something called the three F's, feel, felt, and found. That is a way of just comforting the customer and, and saying, hey, Mr. Jones, I know how you feel. Others have felt that exact same way in the past, but what they have found is after giving us the opportunity to help out in this situation, we get good results. The feel part is recognition saying, hey, I understand, I know where you're coming from. The felt is the, uh, the social acceptance saying, hey, other customers have felt that same way in the past, and the found is, hey, we have a resolution that we can offer as well. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate. I'm Brian. And we have a new subject and a new week for you here. This time we're bringing up the subject of tough conversations with customers. So make sure you stay tuned for later on in this podcast. We'll be interviewing Ted Schnettler. Really looking forward to him speaking into the subject at hand. He has a ton of experience doing this, not only as a service technician, but also as a service manager at this point, meaning that he has the angle from both, uh, you know, being in person, boots on the ground, as well as being a follow-up to something that went wrong. So really good conversation that we plan on having with him today. Uh, but for right now, Brian and I want to break down the idea of what it looks like to have tough conversations and why that's so important. And as we normally do, we're going to start off with our quote. Speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. Oh, Ambrose Bierce. Absolutely. And that's a great place to start there, Brian, which is uh, getting our emotional needs met. <clears throat> uh, so many times we are tempted when a emotional situation is at hand to jump in with emotion. And so many times that it's the wrong decision. Uh, there needs to be an adult in the room. There needs to be somebody who's going to keep a, somebody who's going to keep a level head and make sure that things stay, uh, you know, on a decent level. Um, and we can't expect the client to do that for us. So we have to be the person who's going to hold that angle. And we need to make sure that we check our emotion at the door, especially when, uh, you know, the situation can be very personal and can, you know, the, the client can come at us in personal attacks. And so that's a great place to start right there, which is checking your emotion at the door with tough conversations. So let's jump in there, Brian. Um, talk, talk, to me, talk to us about the, emo the emotional part of a difficult conversation. There are a lot of places we could go with the emotional aspect of a difficult conversation, but I'll we can start with the quote. Um, since we're typically the ones responsible for the difficult conversation, being at Tech's in the field, Ted, um, one-hour service manager, or Ed, Ben Franklin service manager, or Dustin, uh, Mr. Sparky's service manager here locally, um, following up a lot of times with, with difficult clients or difficult situations, but also the technician having to maybe have, having found something on an inspection, a maximizer where they have to go upstairs and have a difficult conversation. Um, first and foremost, 
don't do it with any emotion on your end. The, the worst conversation you're going to have is an angry one. But by and large, if you're having a difficult conversation, you want to be as, as cool and level-headed as possible, taking all of your emotion out of it. Um, and that doesn't just, just mean anger. I mean, even, even as a doctor having a difficult conversation, if you're going to, to give a patient bad news, the last thing you want to do is walk into the room weeping or laughing or, you know, angry as well. Your job as the professionals is to be cool and calm and level-headed. And just remember that by having this conversation, you're trying to get to a certain end. You're trying to make something happen. Yeah, and, and anger is by and far, I think, in my opinion, the emotion that most people will regret, meaning that very few times do you ever regret feeling joy. Very few times do you ever forget feeling sadness but anger just has such a way of getting involved in the wrong way and, and really making you look back on a situation and say, man, I wish I had just kept a more level head on that. And, and we bring that up because so many times the client will, I mean, they're just, they're just going to dump. They're going to, they're going to mouth vomit, whatever it is in, in, their, in their head about how they're feeling about the situation. And it's up to you to be able to decipher through all that, mess and get down to the heart of the issue. Now, this is way easier said than done uh, because right now we're speaking about it in theory and in theory, you can very easily, you know, diagnose a sentence and tone and, you know, why they might be feeling that way and throw it back and forth about what possible situations could be causing this and, and everything seems very nice and easy. But when you're in the heat of battle, when you're in the middle of the conversation and somebody's coming at you saying, you people or you guys or you did this and I can't believe it and I've told all my friends and neighbors and I'm never doing business with you again, like it becomes very difficult to check your anger, to check your emotion at the door. And yet that is the requirement to be able to have a difficult conversation. And that's really beyond even the client interaction. Uh, you know, if you've ever had a difficult conversation with a coworker or a boss or an employee, uh, the very the same is true right there, where you can't allow emotion to run the conversation. Otherwise, you're both going to walk away from that and saying, "Whoa, uh, that that was not great." And listen, we're all human here, and so the possibility of that occurring is real. And so there is a solve to that, and that's to call a timeout. That's literally just to say, hey, hey, time out here. Uh, we're, we're, both, we're both getting animated. This is going to a place that I think we need to just give ourselves a breath here. Time out, okay? Let's bring it down a notch or let's, let's take a minute and regroup and then let's come back together on this thing. And so that's okay too. And we want you uh, with whatever capacity you serve in to feel free uh, to learn in those areas and to understand that Emotion is a real human thing. You can't get around it. And so sometimes you just need to become good at hitting the pause button and saying, let's regroup. And how do you, how do you, um, I mean, it's no different than let's say you're, you're training for the Navy SEALs. Um, you can't really be great at battle until you're in battle and have done battle, but how do you get good enough to survive your first one? <clears throat> Meaning how do you get good enough to have your first really difficult conversation before you actually start having difficult conversations. It's training. It's, it's practice. So it's muscle memory. So how do you do it? Well, you just do it more in, in, in your own life, in your personal life, not to say just go badger somebody who doesn't deserve it, but 
ask ask a couple difficult, uh, more next level questions. Um, get on the phone and um, haggle your your car insurance provider. Try to get a discount. Yeah, the flip side of that is just go start insulting people and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find difficult conversations sure. one way. All over the place. <laughs> but uh, people who tend to be good at difficult conversations are, I mean, um, I'll, I'll go back to Tracy's podcast when Tracy was on here talking about club memberships. And she's she's very good at difficult conversations and dealing with difficult people with really without getting um, beat up in the midst, but she was a bartender. So she dealt with very difficult conversations face to face with people who were intoxicated. Doesn't get much more difficult than that. So she would have all those conversations before she ever came here. And now if you hear her on the phone with somebody who's, who would usually take your average um, CSR right out of their game, it, it has no effect on her. And then she's not even messed up for the call after that. I, I think another way of looking at this, Brian, is think of how you react when you are on the consumer side of things. Uh, I, I'm sure all of you have been scarred some way or another through some company or some product that you purchased and how you reacted. So you call up their customer service team and you want to let them know your opinion. I, I think that's a great place to practice because it's the other direction. And the last thing that you want to be is the person that you personally hate dealing with, the, the unreasonable, irrational person who's just lobbying grenades and <laughs> it doesn't matter who's in the way, just get, get out of there. And if you can practice the idea of being pragmatic, if you can practice the idea of having a level head, if you can practice the idea of having a logical step forward conversation where you're moving. So, you know, here's why I'm upset. Here's how the product interacted. Here's how the service treated me. This is why I'm frustrated. Here is what I think is a reasonable and fair conclusion. Is that something that you can deal with? <clears throat> if you get on a level like that, from a consumer perspective, I think it only serves to benefit you when you're on the other side of it as the technician. That reminds me of a, of a uh, conversation that I had with a pizza shop. Um, Matthew Feliciano, one of our plumbers, uh, is my brother-in-law and he was at the house and we ordered, we, he ordered pizza on an app from his phone. And I guess he had hit this like half button for it, have the pizza. So he ordered some cheese only pizza for the kids and he had accidentally hit the half button. So it gave him a pizza with cheese on one half of it and nothing on the other. Half. <laughs> <laughs> I, I why would that button even exist? How many times has somebody ordered a pizza without cheese? I don't know. Maybe I'm dairy allergic. Then eat something else. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like dough and sauce, please. Right. <laughs> it's time to move to another restaurant. Um, and then I guess he had hit the well done button. Now, I, I don't, maybe he had too much coffee that day. and Muscle his, spasms. His, his thumbs were a little jittery. I don't, I don't know why. Um, he swears he didn't, but they, they said it was on there. So what we got were like three or four pizzas that were black, burned to a crisp, including like the top crust where, where you open the box and you just see black. Wow. <laughs> and cheese on one half that was burned to a crisp and the sauce 
on the other half was burned into the bread. I mean, they, <laughs> they stuck this thing in for an hour on high. And obviously, we <clears throat> we wanted to get some pizza that anybody would actually eat. So we that makes sense. In. And, you know, this is first our difficult conversation to have. No problemo there because we're, you know, we're the ones paying for this. Um, but we get somebody on the phone who just immediately goes to um, arg- argumentative. Well, that's what the app said, so that's what it is. And we're like, well, we didn't. That's not what we wanted. It's certainly not what we paid for. Okay, let us speak to a manager. A manager came on and, and started arguing with us like loudly, saying, um, "That's what you ordered. That's what you got. Well, that's not what we ordered, and that's certainly not what we wanted. Well, then you shouldn't have pressed the button." Which was his <laughs> response? <laughs> not the owner, mind you, just the manager, <laughs> and. Um, you know, this is this is one of those cases in, you know, we're all going to deal with something like this. Uh, technicians in a truck, I've dealt with this kind of thing many times where a, a client goes to the supply house to order certain faucets that they want. They order it in a certain color and it's special order and, it, you know, it gets shipped to us and we go to install it and they say, that's not the color I wanted, despite that being the color they ordered. Somebody's going to take it on the chin here and um, ten, tends to be that in a situation like that, we can work something out with the, with the supplier and, and make it okay for him. But the last thing we would do is just stand in their face saying, well, that's what you ordered. Well, if you didn't want it, you shouldn't have ordered it. But this is what the pizza manager was doing to us. He said, fine, I'll send you two of the four pizzas uh, the way you want it. Meaning, we're going to negotiate here. I know you paid for four pizzas and I sent you four pizzas that you don't want. I'm going to send you two good ones. And <clears throat> through so much argument, we said, you know what? Never mind. I'm canceling the, uh, I said, I just want a refund. And he refused the refund. You got the pizza already. I said, well, forget it. I'm going to charge. I'm going to dispute the, the uh, amount. And, 45 minutes, maybe an hour later, a pizza delivery driver got there with two pizzas the way we wanted them. I can tell you who was not eating that pizza was anybody in my house <laughs> imagining what was done to it. But um, we told the pizza driver to take it back, and, and she did take it back. And we ended up going through Wells Fargo and getting my money back, but it was just the worst experience ever. And if you really think about, <clears throat> other than the manager's pride, what really he stood to lose was the cost of making four pizzas and and swallowing his pride a little bit um, to say that there was a mistake made. Now, maybe it was theirs, maybe it was the app, whatever. It doesn't matter, but you don't make it the customer's mistake because not only did we get the money back and he made six pizzas for no reason, we will never use them again. And we told our entire, I mean, there were, there were neighbors, kids over, and we told everybody in the neighborhood and at that time in in our neighborhood that is the only pizza place that delivered to us and as a result of that nobody in that neighborhood would even use them anymore so you think about how much future revenue was cost by a manager you know maybe just being in a bad mood or just not being a, a great manager in general but to to have no empathy whatsoever and st- simply fight to uh, 
uh, be right as opposed to being profitable, being happy, um, being a good pizza manager. Uh, he, he fought the good fight, quote unquote, and lost himself a lot of business in the future. Yeah, so that's another thing that uh, I want to bring up with Ted, which is, you know, the idea that the customer is always right. Is, is that, I mean, that's not something that we believe here, but in, in that illustration, you know, when do you draw the line? When do you say that's too far? Well, at least in the tri-brands, we operate with the U-Win um, company. We have the U-Win badge on our shoulders. And if a customer is not happy, they can get all their money back. So technically speaking, there is nowhere to draw the line. I mean, there is a, <clears throat> a point where there are certain, certain things that are unreasonable and it has to be a, a win, win, win at all times for the company, the company, the technician and, and uh, the client. But there are certain things that obviously would be unreasonable. Um, yeah. The, well, actually, we just had one recently. Um, Kevin, one of the plumbers here, and, and his supervisor, Todd, and Aaron Buckwalter, and, and I were talking about it this morning, where Kevin showed up, uh, gave a price to, gave two options to either cut open the ceiling in the basement and cut out the back of the cabinet um, and repair this kitchen drain line or to just cut a hole in the bottom of the cabinet send it downstairs and reroute it and the client chose to reroute the pipe just drill the hole the cabinets are brand new um, so let's just do one simple hole they did try to negotiate first I guess this thing had had already been a problem and somebody had um, given them an estimate of a few hundred dollars less to make this repair and they didn't take it well now I don't know if this was an evening or weekend or something, but now it was an emergency. Like the thing finally fell apart. They couldn't use their kitchen at all. So Kevin's out there making the repair and he had to leave and go get something. Um, but before he did, the homeowners told him that they had another company say they could make the repair for a few hundred bucks less. And Kevin said, well, I can't, I can't come down on the price that far. Um, if you don't mind me asking, why didn't you use them? Well, they couldn't make it today so, right right of course we can do it for free if we can't show up yeah <clears throat> so kevin went to get something and they called that other plumber while he was gone and the, the other plumber came out and he got back and the plumber was doing the job <sighs> but that plumber said he didn't want to reroute it he was cutting the cabinet open and they sent kevin packing because he was doing it for a few hundred dollars less well lo and behold we get a call the next day from that client wanting us to repair their the uh, hole that we made in their cabinet. And maybe it was my own my own uh, pizza manager mindset, but I said absolutely not. They wasted our time, Kevin's time, who, who was out there for no reason, for quite a bit of time. And then just to add insult to injury, had another plumber doing the job when he got there refused to pay him anything even the service call fee and i quote because we were too expensive we didn't deserve the service call fee even so i said no they threatened to call the better business bureau and i told them to go ahead um so i guess that's one place where i where i drew a line where i just 
just said, we're not, you're not our customer and we're not going to do anything for you. Yeah. And there's certainly going to be times and I think rare times when, <clears throat> you know, that, that needs to be the conclusion. There's a time to walk away. There's a time to say that, you know, this is no longer a fit. I think a lot of times there can be a resolution. There can be a mediation and we can come to an agreement on things. And, and part of that, like we said, is checking your emotion because if you allow your emotion to just integrate into that situation, it's, it's not going to go anywhere good, anywhere fast. It's really going to go downhill quite quickly. And so th that is a good rule of thumb and practice that by being on the consumer side. You can get really good at it on that angle because as a consumer, you know, everybody's like my rights, my thing, my money. Right. Uh, and, and so it's very easy to get livid and upset about that. And then you realize that, Hey, you know what? I, I do this on the other side for a living. Uh, and, and that's always an eye opener for me. In fact, sometimes I think because we are in the service industry and, and we do this so much that it's easy to go the opposite direction when we're the consumer and be like, oh, you know how many people have made my bit, my day bad. Well, guess what? Your day is going to be bad because I had to endure all that for the last 10 years. And we just open up on somebody and, and that's not really fair, uh, nor is it a good way to get better at uh, this entire concept. So learn to process through difficult conversations without emotion. So how can, how can, how can we practice difficult conversations? How can we push ourselves to do that more? Um, certainly, in your, if you're in a selling role of any kind, you can just ask for, for bigger jobs. You can ask, for, um, ask for, for people to buy more often. Um, but how in your daily life, let's say you make your, your office manager slash marketing manager slash uh, podcast editor and do a darn good job, if I may say so. Thank you. How in your life can you have more difficult conversations? That's about the office and marketing stuff, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you to have to sleep on the couch tonight. <laughs> uh, for me, Brian, I mean, because I have, I have people who work on teams that I lead, uh, difficult conversations are sort of inevitable because there's of the people component. And anytime that you lead people, uh, I think you're bound to come across a time or a day or a situation where a difficult conversation will present itself. And so uh, that's something that, you know, I've grown in and, and continue to grow in uh, simply out of necessity because of my position. Uh, for those of you who are perhaps not um, leading a team, uh, more than a team of one, you know, um, I think you can you can focus on that even within uh, your coworkers and um, hear me on this. I'm not asking for people to just go around starting trouble, uh, but you know, there's going to be times when coworkers disagree. There's going to be times when you disagree with your boss or with a process or a procedure, and I think you know you have a right to to have an opinion. Um, that doesn't mean you're right, but you do have a right to have an opinion. And the ability to express that opinion is something that needs to be refined and worked on. How, how does one get good at experience? Practice. Right. Yeah, yeah. but you can only practice the experience. Like, how does one get good at heart surgery? Well, you practice on a cadaver where it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. until you finally practice. Like, you're not practicing anymore. You're operating on the real thing. So how do you take the emotion out of a 
difficult conversation you're about to have when you obviously as a human being already have emotions invested in this conversation. So one way or the other, you, you're feeling some kind of way about the conversation you're about to have. Um, and then add anxiety to it. You're, you're anxious about the conversation because you don't know how well it's going to go or not go. So how does one, uh, other than, you know, closing your eyes and humming and rubbing your earlobes, how do you get, uh, how do you find your center and chill yourself out and remember that you're the professional in the heat of the moment? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, like we were talking, how does a, how does a heart surgeon become a heart surgeon? I, you know, you don't, you can't practice open heart surgery. You can practice on a cadaver <clears throat> and you can get really good at understanding the tools and, and the vessels and the arteries and how everything goes together in the surgical um, atmosphere. Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> when you're working on a cadaver, you're not working on the real thing. And then all of a sudden you are working on the real thing. So I, I think part of it is, is understanding all the elements, like what I have to be prepared for. I think another part of it is, uh, to quote, um, an old business philosophy, eat the frog. Anxiety kills. I've seen that in my personal life. I've seen that in my business life, avoiding a conversation, avoiding a scenario rarely has a better outcome, uh, because you just grind on it and grind on it and grind on it. And, and your mind is the worst place for a conversation to occur because you just role play all the what ifs and it gets worse and worse. The more you go, Oh man, I hadn't even thought about that. What if they say this? What if they say that? Okay. So fine. Game plan a little bit, but then go have the conversation. You just got, you just got to go do it. You got to get in there. You have to actually crack open the chest, put the rib spreader in and start, start going at it. Um, and, and you, you have to be, you have to learn on your feet in a lot of situations. And you know what? The first one or two rough conversations that you have might not grow great, but you're going to gain a whole lot of experience from that. You're going to learn. You're going to learn that uh, the next time, you know, you should uh, under promise over deliver as opposed to over promise under deliver. You're going to learn that you should ask questions first as opposed to assuming and presenting your presumptions into the conversation. You sh you're going to learn that uh, you should do a lot more listening than you did the first time. All these things are going to come across uh, the, the course of time. Uh, the more you can be prepared for that, the better. But <clears throat> in a lot of ways, if you're not an adaptive person, difficult conversations will continue to be difficult for you uh, because a lot of times they're dynamic and, and they go different directions. So I think there's some fundamental rules that people can understand, like listen first. That, that's a really good way, a really good place to start. Listen first, understand their position. Do not presume to know why or how they got to that position. Listen, ask questions, understand them, understand their position, and then favorably present your own position. Okay, Brian, listen, I, I understand. I appreciate your perspective. Let me state where I'm coming from here on this and let's see if we can come to a conclusion. So, uh, trying to keep control of the conversation, trying to keep control of the emotional level, trying to keep control of of the progress of things, I think is also beneficial in that you don't allow yourself to just be pushed around. That's a really bad place to be in, especially, and it's very difficult when you're dealing with an A-type personality and somebody just wants to come in there and wreck house 
and you feel like you're at the tail end of the dog, just getting completely wagged around, that's very difficult. And yet it's, it's something that, um, that is almost required. Otherwise you're bound to just concede all things at that point. If, if you cannot control the conversation, you're just going to, you're going to lose a lot. Yeah. So I had asked what, what ways, what things we could do to get our emotions under control. Um, that was a way to not do the opposite. Uh, you started by saying that, that playing it over and over and procrastinating that conversation that would have the opposite effect that is going to make you so much more emotionally invested and stirs up the anxiety to add with everything else. Um, have those conversations as fast as you possibly can. I can see it with Ed, sometimes our service manager here for our uh, Ben Franklin division, when it's like Friday afternoon and he tries to get a hold of a, a client that he's got to call back for a reason that's not going to be a, a blast of a conversation um he's got to give him some bad news or he's going to hear some bad news or whatever it is and he can't get a hold of him or he gets a hold of somebody and they say hey give me a call back monday it's like oh now he's got to just sit with this right um focusing on this conversation all weekend and it's easy to and cliche to say hey let it go you know work is work just yeah just leave it here in the building yeah anybody who is uh in in that position knows that that's very difficult to do it's impossible to do i'm i'm gonna dwell on that all weekend as as ed does as as everyone does who has to make difficult phone calls like that but the best thing you can do is have them as fast as possible and again be somewhat emotionally detached um empathetic certainly see the the homeowner's point of view and everything that's being discussed, but um, don't don't bring your own emotion into the conversation. It's never going to help. Yeah, and frankly, Brian, I mean, this is something that everybody struggles with. So <clears throat> if you're listening to this saying like, oh, man, you know, I, I, I can never talk like Brian talks or, you know, I, I could never have a conversation like Ted has a conversation. Hey, these guys, they did they didn't wake up at age two and start negotiating with their parents on when their nap time would be. I did. I never had a nap time. So I just, I talked to my mom out of it. <laughs> Thanks too. <laughs> Thanks for unproving that point, Brian. <clears throat> no, I, I'm serious. Like this is a skill that gets developed over time and it, you don't just obtain it. And it certainly doesn't follow a title around. Uh, I don't care what you are. If you're a technician, a plumber, electrician, if you're a service manager, if you're an owner, it doesn't follow a title without the experience to back it up. It's nothing that anybody looks forward to, and yet it's something that uh, it needs done. I mean, we're a business, so it needs to happen. Um, and so I want to encourage you that, you know, if you feel weak in this area, realize that everybody starts off at a weak point. Every heart surgeon starts off by working on a cadaver, by learning and studying the books and gets better from there. Any athlete who is worth their grain of salt, you know, started off by falling on their skis or falling on the ramp or, you know, missing the shot, you know, that's a place to start. And then you refine that craft. And just like an athlete does, you know, practice, practice, practice. It, it can be difficult to find people to practice situational, difficult conversations. I suppose you could role play it, although that's, that can be challenging, but you could role play it multiple ways. You know, you could role play a customer who is, uh, you know, unwielding and they're not going to budge. Uh, you could role play a customer who's a little bit more concessionary and they feel like they're they're willing to give in. 
Uh, so I suppose you could do that. But regardless, I just want to encourage you that this is not something that only a few struggle with. This is this is a way of life, and this is something that everybody has to deal with. So be encouraged, and, and make sure you tune into our interview here with Ted, which we'll step into in just a minute. And uh, he'll continue to give advice on the issue. We're excited to invite him on and ask him some questions because uh, he's really refined this area of his skill set, and he is very uh, good at being able to calm a client down and bring them down to a level of, you know, logical understanding, um, rational thought, I think is really what we're shooting for. Um, and so without further ado, we want to invite Ted on. Hey, our guest today is Ted Schnettler. He's actually a return guest for us, so we're super excited to have him back on. And as I mentioned before, we're going to be discussing the topic of tough conversations with customers. And we're really excited to have Ted on here because this is part of actually what he does on a weekly basis. And we're super excited to tap into some of that expertise and hear from him uh, some experiential data as well as some advice uh, how we can all improve in this area. So welcome back, Ted. Hey, I'm glad to be here. I'm flattered. This is my second time on the podcast. So thank yeah, you very welcome, much. Man. We had yeah. uh, three people in a room I was just in that said, oh, I wanted to, I wanted to be on that podcast. Difficult conversations. <laughs> I can step out right now if they want to take my place. <laughs> Aaron <laughs> Buckwalter, okay. Mike Fabric, you know, guys who have already been on the show, but they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. So guys that know how to do it can do it, so right. I'm, I'm yeah. out. <laughs> and as soon as they heard that you were going to be on the show, they're like, yeah, I don't feel like having that conversation. So <laughs> they backed out. Duly noted. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ted, so um, I, I know we already went through your history a while ago, but uh, just mm -hmm. give us a, a quick synopsis of how you got into the trades and kind of what, what brought you to um, – the position that you're in now? Yeah, the shortened version is I, uh, out of high school, was working construction. And, uh, you know, in new construction, we would see the people coming in after us and, um, you know, doing mechanicals. And uh, my interest just lied in the HVAC side of things, and I just went that direction. So it was pretty simple, pretty, simple, pretty seamless. I just had good opportunities that I took advantage of. And, uh, you know, almost 20 years later, here I am. Yeah. Um, and... and I think we've talked about this before. I believe you said that you enjoy the challenge of a tough client. Is that right? <laughs> I do. I do. And that, that is hard to believe. I, I get that. But for me, it's about winning. And when I say winning, you know, the win for me is to make the customer happy. And if I can do that and we come to a, to a amicable resolution, uh, life is good. And, and if we keep that customer, right, you know, that, that's the win. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to jump in there. Um, let's just talk about the basic idea. What what makes for a tough customer? What are some real-world examples as to why a customer becomes agitated? So if I could step back from that, I was thinking about this a lot over the past two, three weeks, and I do things from tough conversations in front of the customer as well as tough conversations on the phone with the customer. Yeah, and which, which is harder? Probably on the phone. Why is that? You lose a lot of that, that the personal touch you have. I think I'm better, me personally, in front of the customer. Plus your looks, right? <laughs> yeah. That's never <laughs> been said before and should be stricken from the record. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull that out of the recording. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, in person, it, it is it is a lot easier, I think, with the, uh, the nonverbal communication you have. 
uh, it, it goes a lot further than just on the phone because on the phone, it's easier to be more standoffish. And, and that means that from the customer aspect. Do you find that your approach to the customer changes based on whether you're in the phone or, or sorry, on the phone or in the house? Are it, you it, more standoffish? <laughs> <laughs> I try not to be. <laughs> yeah. No, that never gets you anywhere. Yeah. But yeah, it is different because when you're, when you're at the customer's home, you can do things to prepare. Um, and uh, over the phone, you're trying to do damage control to an extent. And I always say, you know, over the phone, if you could start the conversation off on a high note, if you can bring that upbeat energy to a degree, uh, people just kind of relax a little bit more. So in person, I'm not going to be like this upbeat in your face guy saying, hey, uh, I'm so glad to be here, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'll, I'll do more of a, maybe a, a neutral bonding and rapport and dig into that a lot more. And bonding and rapport is a lot easier to do in person than it is over the phone. Sure. Yeah. Well, Ted, most of our audience, I think, would, would qualify under the home services professionals, um, and they're generally technicians, plumbers, electricians in the home. You serve as the service manager, which means that you're not necessarily running active day-to-day -day calls. And so right. most of your client interaction is, unfortunately, at the tail end of a negative experience. Is that correct? Yeah, I usually say I'm the second or third guy in right. when I'm on site for, for a, a more involved situation, which to me, that's more fun. Um, but when I'm doing that, I, I always say to myself, all right, I'm going to go into this call open-minded, and uh, my goal is to protect myself. Yeah, in case they come at you, right? <laughs> no, not exactly that. I, I like to, I like to start off things, you know, um, just just being like like I said earlier, bonding and rapport for me is really big. That's one of the areas I want to excel in right away. So if I can get into someone's house or I'm at someone's house, I want to start off by saying, "Hey, Mrs. Jones, you know, I know I'm here, you know, for for this situation, but can we take a few moments now to speak about what's going on?" And that gives me the opportunity to learn about the customer, see what's happening in their world. And just, you know, I, I think just like sales, you know, uh, tougher, tough, converse, tough conversations is about getting the edge. You know, if we can build edges with customers, we're going to succeed at the end of the day. So, you know, I might say, uh, you know, hey, Mr. Jones, you know, I'm, I know I'm here for a problem. And I'm so sorry that's happening right now. But, you know, when I get to this point where I'm going to talk to you about what's going on there, I'm not sure I can be able to tell you something without having you be mad at me. I don't want you to be mad at me. And usually human nature will step in and say, oh, no, no, I, I understand why you're here and it's not personal. So whatever you got to say, please say it and please be as open as possible with me. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I want to pause there by reminding everybody that regardless of your position, whether you're listening to this as a, as a service plumber, you're in the field every single day, whether you're listening to this as an owner or a manager, or whether you're listening to this as a call taker, or you have nothing to do with the home services industry, the, the keys and the abilities that Ted is going to be walking us through today are, are fairly universal in having tough conversations. And it really doesn't matter so much whether it's a customer or a coworker or a boss or an employee Right, uh, that right. you have to have the conversations with. Everybody's faced with having to deal with difficult conversations. And a lot of these principles can be very well used in all those scenarios. And so I'm really interested to dig into it today, Ted. Yeah, and, and uh, just to back up for a second too, what I really feel for is our people on the front lines as the customer service reps we have. Because 
people call in and they get the brunt of the attack. Yeah. You know, they're just answering a phone trying to help them out. And these people are somewhat livid. And uh, our, our folks inside do a great job of, of trying to defuse the situation and still remain positive for the next call. So I give them all credit in that regard. Yeah. But that's got to be tough. That would, that would wear on you, I think, a whole lot. And, and uh, we have some good folks taking care of that. Yeah, we sure do. And, you know, every once in a while you have to get up and take a walk and you <laughs> you know, kind of let that one sit for a little bit and come back in. But there's there's a good group dynamic to that where everybody's pulling each other up. So shout out to uh, the call center and everybody. Definitely. There. Yeah, definitely. OK, Ted. So back to the original question. What are some reasons that people get upset? I mean, why why or when do you normally get involved? So if uh, we take it from the phone aspect I'll get involved if uh, a customer didn't like how the experience went with a technician, whether that be they were just put off or we had a big one as price. So we have to battle the price issue all the time. And I want to say all the time. I mean, for me, once a week would be all the time. Sure. And, uh, and it really, overall, it isn't that bad. I'm not trying to make it sound like it is bad, but, you know, it's, we, we can't satisfy everyone out there. So we, we, have, we have, you know, price. We also have issues that happen on the job site. We, I mean, we have accidents that happen. You know, something got damaged or we get blamed for something we didn't even damage. So we got to defend our company to a degree and try to find, uh, you know, middle ground there to go off of. But honestly, you could probably, I could probably go through a whole lot of situations where things went wrong. Some were our fault, some weren't our fault. And it's just how people perceive them. So I, I it's kind of hard for me to answer and say, hey, it's just these five different things that are the problems. But yeah. Yeah, and people get upset over different things. Uh, you know, we drove on their grass. Okay, maybe we did, maybe we didn't, but we're guilty to some degree. Yeah, that's when we bring in the CSI unit and we start bringing out the micrometer on the tire tread. And yeah, we're doing the, the, the plaster molds of the, of the yeah, tire tracks. Absolutely. And, yeah. You spend 15 grand to not spend $200 <laughs> to repair a lawn. <laughs> hey, it does but, happen. Yeah, but we I'm, win, uh, right? <laughs> when, you, when you have those um, steep steep driveways and you're trying not to drag your tailgate on it and you corner it too hard and just just go over the corner of that wet grass and accidents happen tire print yep yeah. it happens yeah so I, it's a, my uh okay oh, my least favorite of the clients you just mentioned to deal with uh you didn't really mention it in in, in uh, per se but the uh client advocate gets in after the fact and just knows that uh, their brother-in-law could have done the job for half the price. And now you're the not buyer's speaking to somebody who was at the house. But for some reason, we, we were compelled to take the step uncle's phone call and yeah. uh, start all over again with building value. That was always my, my favorite one. Yeah. yeah. So, Ted, is it fair to say that most difficult conversations result as a fact of broken expectations? Meaning that... The customer had an idea in their head as to how much they thought it would cost or how the experience would go or how the product would work or what the result would be. And for some reason, uh, that, that didn't happen the way they thought it was going to. Well, we get some of that. I wouldn't say that's the, the biggest thing. Um, we get Recently, we've had a couple of, of buyer's remorse cases where the, the people were in front of our technicians and they, they gave them the, the, the whole routine of what what we have what they might be interested in we gave them three four different options and the people decided and both parties were there and they agreed on that but then afterwards they did some research they talked to friends relatives neighbors or the internet uh yes the internet yeah the internet is one of those things that's very very hard to to overcome 
Yeah. In fact, I want to do a podcast on that sometime, Brian, uh, but for another day. Um, and, and that buyer's remorse thing, and we talk about that around here, like somebody going to a restaurant, seeing the menu, ordering the filet, enjoying the filet, and then refusing to settle the bill and saying, I didn't like, I didn't like how much that cost. But in our world, I mean, we show all pricing up front just like a menu does. So everybody knows how much something's going to be. And then when they, when they actually receive the product, you know, to fight the price is difficult. It's funny because we'll give them the price and then get agreements and have them sign the agreement, do the work, leave, and then something changes after the fact. And those are probably one of the tougher things to overcome because you don't know why these people are thinking this now when before it was a good idea. Yeah, usually that's like, what changed. Thir- third party interference. Um, third parties, is, the internet. Which is fine with the third party thing. It's just a matter of, like I was saying, getting the step uncle on the phone and re- you're just starting your, your presentation all over. You're rebuilding all that value. You're ex- you have to explain to them why things you know, went the way they went and why they were supposed to go the way they went. Um, yeah, but yeah, the internet thing can be difficult, especially when you're, especially with the younger guys who are, you know, fairly new to their career and they're dealing with somebody just sitting there Googling what they, <laughs> yeah. what they think is wrong with their well pump based on what Google's spitting out and the tech is telling them, no, that's not the, the issue. And we're hearing about that more and more. I didn't deal with that too much when I was in a truck, but now it's becoming fairly prevalent and, uh. I believe it was Dr. Drew Penske who was on Loveline with Adam Kroll all those years who said, uh, yeah. don't mistake your Google search with my medical de- degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's one you just have to, you're going to have to contend with more and more. It's just getting so, I mean, people are, people are now price shopping you on their watch. <laughs> it's just getting easier and easier to do. And you have the whole WebMD thing where people are going on there and self-diagnosing their problems. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So yeah. They, they, I self-diagnosed uh, yeah. like some serious medical diseases <laughs> yeah. in myself, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm supposed to be alive anymore. <laughs> You're doing good then. <laughs> it wasn't as bad. It just turned out to be herpes. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, back on subject yeah. here, Ted. Um, how, how do you begin? Okay. I'm in front of a difficult customer. I'm a technician in the field or I'm doing a follow-up call with somebody who's upset. Where do I start? So let's take the avenue of uh, on the phone. So I'm, I'm getting ready to call a customer up. So what I do, I want to prepare before I call a customer up. And that would mean setting aside time to do that. So I, I hate having to rush a call to a customer. I understand if they're upset and you got to say, hey, Mrs. Jones, I just want to touch base with you. I'm not really ready to talk to you, but please know that I am thinking about you and you're on my list. Unfortunately, I'm just a little bit busy right now. It's like sending a Hallmark card thinking of you. Something. I mean, because, you know, time is of the essence. You know, people want to know that that they're being thought about and that something's going to happen. The worst thing you do is wait and put it off. Because if you wait, it just makes people, you know, fester over things. And then it's just something you got to battle that you don't necessarily need to battle. So if you can be proactive and just get to them, just touch base with them. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have the answers. I, I mean, people want to know that they're, they're being heard. Um, so if, is if, that like a, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about you, I'll get back to you and then give it time. Is that typically what that sounds like? I've done that before, depending on the situation. So if, if we get something from, you know, I get an email from one of the girls or a phone call saying, Hey, I have a really upset customer. They really want an answer right now. I told them that you were preoccupied. 
And I'll say, okay, I am, but I want to call them right now to say, hey, you, Mrs. Jones, I'm, I'm thinking about you, and I will get back to you here at such and such a time. And then get back to them at such and such a time. Yeah, that follow-up is critical, and we talk about that in the customer service world. Never promise something that you are not personally in control of, right? So we right. talk about like, oh, yeah, you know, Brian, Brian, will get, Brian will get back to you today. Well, uh, Brian might not even be in the <laughs> office. Like, Brian's on vacation. I can't guarantee that. And so by me, it, it's, it's an escape act for me because I'm just trying to get the client off the phone and like satisfy their immediate needs and they're yelling at me. But then I go and make the situation worse by promising something that we are going to fail at. And now the client is exceptionally upset because we failed them twice. It just adds to their problem, yeah. Yeah, if Ted said procrastinating that, that conversation is the worst thing you can do. That is. is probably the second worst thing you you can do, and I would say third worst would be having that conversation when you are angry, when you're personally upset, and right. that goes for conversations with our our customers or our subordinates or you know spouses or kids, children. Yeah, being <laughs> being upset and angry to have that conversation is going to be that's going to backfire. Right. Yeah. Remain calm, set aside time, and, and prepare. And what does that look like? So preparing, you know, depending on the situation, we can go back into the, the, even the call from the call center. We can hear the call saying, hey, uh, you know, Mrs. Smith called in, and this is what she said. Okay, that helps. Great. Uh, look at the work orders. See what was sold, what was going on there, what the tech recommended, and, uh, you know, arm yourself that way. Um, and maybe you have to research something. You know, I don't always know all the answers. So if someone says, I have this problem, I'll go on Google and I'll research answers, not prices, you know, nothing like that. But <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll do my due diligence on the back end. So when I call them, I don't sound as stupid as I really am in real life. You know? <laughs> so I just want to you know, fake it till I make it. That's right. <laughs> okay, so I'm hearing you set aside time. Make sure that you're in the right frame of mind to do this. Prepare yourself, do your research, uh, get your ducks in a row, you might say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then what? Go to battle? I wouldn't say it's battle. I, I would say it, it's, you know, just talking to the customer. You know, when you call them up, I always try to be more upbeat. You know, I, I don't want to be like the monotone canned voice saying, okay, Mr. Smith, I know uh, you called in, blah, 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 and this is what's going on. You know, how can I help you? I want to start off by saying, hey, hey, Mr. Jones, I'm so glad I got a hold of you. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, I'm glad you took time to talk to me today, and this is what I want to talk to you about. Do you have time to speak for five, ten minutes about this? Just if you come off with a positive approach, the, you set the tone, usually they drop their guard a little bit. And again, that edge that we get is increased a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let, let's flip it off from the phone and go on to uh, the site side of things because you know a lot of people that listen to us do less interaction on the phone and right. are, are more in the home. Right. So I'm sure everybody dreads opening up their tablet and seeing a name that they've seen before. <laughs> Right. And it happens in yeah. the notes. It says callback or potential callback or, you know, Mrs. is upset and all that gets detailed out. Mm-hmm. What can that what can that technician, what can that field person do even while they're driving to the call? I mean, their their day isn't probably as free as your, yours is as far as being able to spend a lot of significant time researching. So what can they do while they're going to that call? Right, because they got to take things as they come, and who knows what that's what, what's going to be in a day's time. But um, you know, I, I always say too, you know, 
we need to, to be honest about this, I mean, not all customers are right. I, I know people say that. I mean, every, every people say every customer is right. But I'm going to go on record saying not all customer is right. Yeah, you've never heard that in this building. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> you know, but I do believe all customers need to be heard. So, I mean, so when we get to a house and we, we're looking at a problem or whatnot, um, we need to be open and honest. And like I said before, doing the, the binding and report up front will get you tighter with that customer. So you can actually go through the problems and, and or the issues. Maybe there's no issues, whatever it may be. But when you find an issue, you can say, hey, Mr. Jones, I want to just show you something outside here. You know, if you take them with you, it'll, it'll help soften things up. Now, Ted, do you think it's easier for you as a third party, meaning you may or may not have seen this person before, do you think it's easier for you in that context than it is for a technician who's going back to perhaps a person that was already difficult to deal with and now they're now they're very difficult to deal with? To a degree. I think if I'm going back there, you know, they I might be prefaced to say, Hey, we're gonna have Ted come out, he's our technical advisor. That might lower people's guard a little bit and may not have them be so confrontational with me because they might say, Hey, this guy might know a bit more than tech number a, and we're going to just, you know, give him a little bit less of a break. Whereas if the guy going in the first guy, he'll get the brunt of the attack. You know, he might go in there and say, yeah, oh, Mrs. Jones, your well pump is bad. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, and they're like, what do you mean? It's bad. It's only five years old. Yeah, so. and that's why we send apprentices through the door first whenever we have them in the trucks. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, so I'm in a truck, Ted. I'm headed back to a call that either one of my coworkers was at previous or maybe I was at previously and something's not working or something broke or they're, they're complaining that, you know, this is the third umpteenth time that we've been out here and this issue isn't resolved. Where does that conversation start? Is it different than the phone? Way different than the phone because what you can say then is, hey, hey, Mrs. Smith, I'm I'm here and I know we were here a couple times before and I'm so sorry about that. But what I'm going to do this time, I'm, I'm going to step back. I'm going to look at the whole picture. I'm not going to just focus, you know, in here. I want to see a whole scenario, a, a whole synopsis of what's going on in your home. And it might take me a little bit longer. And I'm sorry about that. So I hope you have enough time to leave me here for, you know, two hours. And I'm going to take a third, you know, a bird's eye view, a third person's per perspective on everything and, and go that route. Well, why didn't you do that the first time? Well, I wasn't here the first time, but uh, I'm sure our guys may have. But you know what, Mrs. Jones, I'm sorry, because some of our guys get tunnel vision. And uh, they, they, they're under the gun. They, they want to make sure that they get done as quick as possible. But, uh, you know, I'm here now. I'm sure I can take care of you right now. Okay, so another question I wanted to ask you is, is about the bus, right? The easiest thing to do in a scenario where somebody's upset is throw blame everywhere which way, but your own direction mm -hmm. uh, and, and throwing people under the bus, whether it's another company, another technician um, or, or anything else. I mean, is that a good principle? So that's kind of a loaded question. And I'm going to say it's not a good principle if it's just your company. Never, ever throw any of your employees or any anyone in our company under the bus. You know, just those questions, I just like to, you know, dive past them. They can say, hey, why didn't you do that before? And say, I don't know if this is Jones, but I'm here now, and I'm sure I can take care of your problem now. You know, just wave by it. Now, if we're coming in after XYZ company, depending on your angle, depending what's happening, depending how unfair the situation is to that customer, it might make sense to say, hey, Mrs. Jones, this is what I'm seeing now. I don't know how it got to this point, but I'm sure we can correct it. Yeah, and I think so, there's ways of doing that without – I really, really 
do not like the idea of like saying, yeah, these guys, you know, they hosed you over. Like, I don't know what this guy was right. doing. I, I like the, the neutral approach by saying like you did there. Yeah, I'm not was, sure. I'm not perfect. sure how we got here, but here's what we can do to resolve it. That's a very neutral. I mean, listen, whether, whether we are yellow, blue, red, or whether we have a white van or a gray van or whatever, we're all serving customers out there and, it's a really crappy thing to do to be a be out there butchering other people that are in the same industry. You devalue the whole industry. Yes, you do. But, uh, you know, and, and there's sometimes to where it makes sense just to be a little more gruff about it saying, yeah, th- this isn't how we see things. Right. So you can allude to the fact that the customer maybe got a bad rap or a bad deal from this customer, but rest assured we can fix it for you. Okay. All right. So I- I'm in there and I- I'm, Emotions that is at a high, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's the first five minutes of that phone call or the first five minutes of you showing up on site, the emotions specifically from the client are are at a high. So what are some approaches that you can use to bring them down a level or two? Good question. Good question. So if you know if you have that good bonding and rapport up front, you know you can always go back to saying you know hey. You know, I'm here to help you out. And, you know, they usually say, all right, all right, we're good with that. But, you know, I, my best advice is to take the customer with you. Say, hey, Mr. Jones, I, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I, I got something to tell you, but please don't be mad at me. And I, I, I'm just not sure how to tell you this the right way. But I can show you what's going on here and, and we can, you know, get a plan together on how to fix this. So it, you don't ever want to just drop a problem in a customer's lap without having a solution, you know, ready in the queue for them. Okay, and I can appreciate that. You, are you suggesting bring the customer with you right away, or are you suggesting that do your initial takeoff and then bring the customer back? So I guess it depends on your style and how you can work it to your success. But I would always go through the whole the whole system, look at everything, and then get a list together, and then say, hey, you know, th- we have A, B, C, and D things going on here that we need to address, and I can get options together for you. So you can make a choice that makes sense for you and your budget. But I don't like just saying, hey, I got this here, but wait, I want to go over here and look at this. Then I get back to you. Okay. So you, it makes sense in a lot of cases to kind of do your initial exam, you might say, to do your own, uh, your own opinion of the situation and then bring the customer along and walk them through it. Yeah, because if you're going to give bad news to a customer, you might as well give all the bad news at one time. Rather than saying, hey, uh, I did this, but I'm going to look at this. They're going to say, oh, no, you're going to have more bad news for me. I'm, you know, so so I'll, I'll do everything up, up front, look at it all, get options together, then go back to her or him. I'm, I, I'm saying her just because yeah. you know, we're seeing a lot more women in homes than men um, during the daytime. Yeah, But that, that changes, too. I know that. So we've done a podcast uh, with one of our comfort advisors, Rachel, uh, on upfront agreements. And it sounds like that's probably a pretty critical thing here to establish the foundation of the call from the very beginning by explaining why you're here, what, what you're going to be doing, understanding they're probably going to have some questions, understanding that unfortunately you might have to re-ask, you might have to re-ask some questions that they answered, you know, the previous time. And then setting that expectation as to what the end result is going to be along with the timeline. Is, does that sound right? I think Rachel did a great job on her podcast. She nailed the upfront contract probably seven ways from Sunday. Yeah. And then she also threw in a couple of good things in there that uh, the one thing that really stuck out to me, and I think, Brian, you might have mentioned that, is you know, Rachel said, we treat people on how to treat us. 
Yeah, we teach people how to treat we, us. We teach people how to treat yeah. us. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, that's that's one of those things that you don't really think about. And uh, I took that one step further because, you know, I said you know the, the the flip side is the results aren't always how we want to be treated. So sometimes you have to adjust how you're doing things in order to because you, you know depend you want to be treated well, but uh, it doesn't always come across that way. So. You know, sometimes you have to change how you're you're treating people to get the results that you want to get as well, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Okay, Ted. So I'm doing my initial exam. I, I've set my upfront contract with the client. You know, I'm I'm working through my second opinion or my third opinion, hopefully not right. Right. And I find something that um, my previous coworker missed. He installed something wrong. He didn't catch something that was initially broken, misdiagnosis, whatever it is. How do I go about presenting that to the client? Nurturingly, um, definitely, definitely do not throw them under the bus. You know, I, in those situations, I like to, if we can, if we can cover it up with being somewhat truthful to, to the customer saying, Hey, you know, Mr. Jones, I, I saw this wire wasn't quite right. Or, uh, you, you got to tell them what the problem is, but you don't have to tell them the whole story you can follow that okay so indicate that good news bad news you know the bad news is your system's still not working the good news is we have finally found the the, the official diagnosis right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right so what if the client comes back to you and say well you know why didn't why didn't frank catch that well mr jones you know i'm not frank i'm ted and i caught it now for you so you can fix it up yeah and I can't speak to what Frank saw when he was here because I wasn't here. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But uh, when I leave here, you'll be running. Yeah. Just try to avoid avoid that whole negative continuity or, you know, area and then focus on the positive. Focus on the fact that when you leave here, you're confident that you will be able to leave them with a properly working system that's installed right, done right, checked out, everything. Right. And I think it's important to remind everybody at this point that what does the client actually want? Well, they want, when you leave, they want to be comfortable. That's right. They, they want they their want system working. Be working system. And, and how, you know, the, the problems that happened in the past, you know, they're going to talk about, hey, now I'm comfortable. Or now, uh, now Nate came in and he fixed my system up and it's working better than ever. And yep. he was a great guy, had a great experience. Oh, we know, we know that would never be the case. <laughs> <laughs> I met Nate Jeffers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let, let's talk about uh, that delivery of the bad news. So you uh, you gave some phrases or some ideas as to how to go about delivering that. Are there other specific ways that you go about approaching somebody with bad news? Now, in, in this scenario, um, it doesn't always even have to be about a, a callback or a frustration, right? It could right. just generically be, this is the first time that we've been here, and I know that you think everything is working out fine right now, but... The fact of the matter is there's some significant issues, right? It's like going to that doctor and you think everything's going well and then you get a diagnosis that you were not expecting. Yeah, and you know, we, we do umpteen thousand maintenances, maximizers every year. And our job is to find problems. So I like going into the customer's house saying, hey, I'm here for your maintenance today. And you know, part of our upfront contract is talking about, you know, if we do see something here, there, or there, you know, whatever it may be, you know, should we bring it to your attention? So if we're setting the stage for them to realize that we're going to have potentially 
issues to bring up, it really isn't that tough of a conversation. And, you know, we're doing it to do them a favor. We want to avoid, you know, future potential breakdowns and extend useful equipment life. So to me, that's not too much of a tough conversation. That's, that's what we're there to do. Yeah. And we find that, uh, I mean, what's easy for you, Ted, isn't always easy for a lot of people, especially I think newer, newer people to the trades who aren't quite as, um, well-rounded perhaps in their that conversation. Is to me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're definitely well-rounded. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, it, it can be difficult. I mean, to tell a client, whether it's HVAC, plumbing or electrical, that something is wrong and that something is going to reach into the four figures uh, to, to remedy it. So mm-hmm. how can we become better at doing that? That's another great question. I mean, the more you do it, the better you get at it. But, you know, if, if we're nurturing too, and we're pointing out how many good things will come about by doing this. So I know a lot of times in the, the electrical world, you know, our guys are seeing, you know, bad panels, panels that are actually fire hazards. And people have no idea the panels are working great. The, no breakers are tripping. Life is good. Yeah, we can say, hey, Mr. Jones, I know you have a Federal Pacific panel in here. And if you go online to Google, you'll see that these things, you know, they, they got problems. You know, they, they stopped making them because they caught on fire. And maybe knew that, maybe didn't know that, but I'm here today to tell you that. And uh, we can help you out. We can help avoid a future problem here. Right. Yeah. The response to bad news is always dynamic. <laughs> and, and this is what I think makes difficult conversations so undesirable is because from the get-go all you know is the beginning and you have no idea how the end is going to play out and I think this is why it's easy to really just shy away from these conversations because you don't know how somebody's going to react to something you don't you don't and when they when they when they react you have to be able to think quick on your feet to be able to know how to counter react to their reaction so how can, I mean, I asked you this again, but like, how can we, how can we learn in that? How can we learn to be dynamic? Because it's not a mathematical equation. You, you can't say that if I say this and they say that this equates to X because that could happen one out of 10 or one out of a hundred and the other 99 are completely different. Yeah. The variables are always going to be different. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing that I can give you, Hey, uh, th- these are the five keys to success for, handling tough customers really it it comes with experience and it comes also about remaining calm and and thinking about what you're going to say to that customer so as long as you have you know an identified identifiable problem and a solution really what more can you do because you know we're we're in the business of finding problems that's what it comes down to you know, people call us out. They don't call us out saying, hey, uh, you know, hey, Brian, come out to my house today. I just want to hang out with you. Maybe you look at my toilet bowl, flush it, and we'll have a cup of coffee. And life Spend is some good. money. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's what it is. I mean, we're, I, I tell the guys to say, hey, if we're going out to a customer's house and consistently finding no problems, you're not doing your job. And it's kind of powerful to me because that's what we do. We, I tell the guys, leave no stones unturned. You know, look for those problems because finding problems will make their life down the road easier. They're going to avoid that potential problem where they have, everyone says it's July 4th. We have 50 guests over and the AC breaks down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Worst case scenario, that does happen. 
but it, it happens every day. People have to take off work to, to meet us at the house, and who wants to do that? Right. So, you know, if we can find a problem now and we can be proactive and we can plan for a solution, that will be a way better and more ideal situation than having to deal with a demand call. And then, you know, our demand calls are highest when it's, you know, the hottest and the coldest, and they're waiting. Right. And no one wants to wait. That just adds to their frustration. And on, on the plumbing and electrical side of things, I mean, those situations are, we call them more, um, or less weather driven, more consistent throughout the year. And so a plumbing or electrical problem can happen at any time. And yeah. there's never a good time for a plumbing or electrical problem in your home. Yeah. I mean, electrical problems, you know, you maybe have a little bit of a buffer zone there, you know, but uh, plumbing problems, if you have water coming down through your ceiling, <laughs> it's it, total chaos, right? So, you know, we want to respond to that as quick as possible. But if we could be proactive and say, hey, Mrs. Jones, I see you have a house full of Quest piping here. At some point in time, Quest is going to fail because it does. Maybe we should talk about a solution, maybe a house repipe or identify the weak links and, and, and fix them now. And I think if you're able to sell the fact that you're seeing these problems and it's going to be to their benefit at the end of the day, yeah, it's a tough conversation, but it makes sense. You know, it's, it's totally to their benefit. Absolutely. Okay, Ted, I, I want to kind of turn the corner here um, and, and shift gears a little bit about talking about unreasonable demands. So from time to time, you're going to come across somebody, and uh, this is probably a return call, I'm guessing, uh, or it might be a physical call, meaning like on the telephone, or it might be a return visit, meaning on site, but they want, they want the world. They've been burned. They feel completely leveraged or, or whatever term you want to use, they feel abused and they want, they want their pound of flesh. Mm -hmm. How do we go about handling the unreasonable? I mean, it's one thing to say, Hey, listen, I understand, you know, th this was a, this was a mistake on our hand, you know, here, here's your money back or whatever it may be. It's another thing for them to say like uh, money back isn't enough. I want you to completely rip out the entire system and replace the whole thing brand new free, like everything <laughs> under the sun and pave my driveway and reseed my grass too. Luckily we don't get those calls. <laughs> and, then, and if we have, it's been before my time because I don't know of those, which was really good. Um, yeah. But you know, that goes back to what I said earlier that not all customers are right, you know, the, the, and there's only so much that we can do. You know, we'll work with the customer as long as it, it makes sense for both of us. But I mean, we can fire a customer. I, yeah, I say, always say that again. We can fire a customer. Yeah. I'm going on record again. <laughs> Second time today. We can fire a customer. Um, I, I don't believe that there is a bad customer out there. I mean, there, a, a bad customer to me is a total oxymoron. I mean, because customers are good because they're buying products or services. We, we need that. There are customers that aren't a fit. And those customers, we can fire. We can part ways. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. But the good part about that, too, is, and I'll get back to how we handle it, which uh, is different. But the good part about that is we have these customers that, that could be irate seven ways from Sunday. And, and why are they irate? I mean, something clearly went wrong. You know, those people, I'll call them the haters. Uh, the haters are probably some of the best people to talk to because they'll tell us what we're doing wrong. Hmm. You know, they'll tell us, hey, I'm, I'm upset. I'm pissed because of this. You know, that we can learn from. The people that call in, you know, you know, 
married down the street, using us for 30 years. She calls in, I had you guys out for a garbage disposal. You guys did a great job. I'm so happy. Well, it feels good, but so what? That's what we do. We better do that. Like those calls don't help us at all. It's the haters that help us. In what way? Well, they're going to tell us what we're doing wrong in business. You know, they're going to say, hey, you know, you guys put this system in, your truck leaked oil, which never happens in our fleet, but, our, you know, your truck leaked oil in our driveway. I want a new driveway. Yeah. All right, we didn't park in the street. Crap. Right. Our bad, you know. Or, you know, we, we, we took something down the steps, we damaged the steps. Oh, we have a bad hand cart. Crap, we can fix that. So they'll tell us what we're doing wrong. That's that's a really good perspective, and I... I think that can be the case more than just, you know, faulty equipment. That can be a customer service or a process as well. Meaning, you know, why did we like misdiagnose whole job? Yeah. Why did we misdiagnose this? Misdiagnose it could be anything. Because yeah. we didn't train well on how to get from A to Z on this particular equipment. So guess who's training on that next week, right? Gives us opportunity to, to correct what we did potentially wrong in the past. Um yeah, you know, one of my favorite podcasts next to this one, Waste of a Day, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do listen to one a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really good podcast called Social Pros. Okay. It's out there. It's by a guy named Jay Bear. And uh, Jay Bear, he's, he's just a, a great mind, a great speaker, a great entrepreneur. And uh, he, he talks a lot about everything from marketing to, to business and, and to uh, the CX, the customer experience. Um. I listen to that a lot. I've been for years and I've learned a lot from him and he's really big on, on the haters because he said that that's the way you, if you want to recognize a problem, you'll hear about it and then they'll tell you, you know, they'll tell you how to fix it. They'll say, Hey, this is, this is what you guys did wrong. All right, let's fix it. All right. So let's make that real practical. Uh, let's say that I'm, I'm a, I'm a service technician, plumber, electrician, whatever it may be. And I keep running across some haters and it happens to be on jobs that I've been on before. What am I supposed to learn from that? <laughs> well, that's kind of funny, too, because if you keep running across these haters, <laughs> you might want to look at yourself, first of all, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> right. But, you know, this company has great processes and procedures put into place. And I would say the first thing is maybe you're not following our, our policies or processes or procedures, you know, keep it simple first. But if they're saying, you know, hey, this broke, this went wrong, it, it could be different on different levels. But uh, you know, they'll they'll tell you what you're doing wrong. If they're saying, hey, you, you keep you keep hitting my grass, running, you know, parking on my grass, or you you don't put your shoe covers on, a lot of that stuff is simple that you can fix yourself. Right. Right. But okay. So how do how do we go about finding that middle ground? Right. So, in, in just being perfectly blunt here, right? Yeah. We, we as a, a entity, any company is always trying to save money. We're trying to become profitable. So any callback or um, fix that we have to make costs money. So we want to avoid that. The client from a very selfish perspective wants everything for free, right? I, I don't want to pay for something that didn't work properly. I want it refunded. I, I want a brand new one, all that. So where is the middle ground? Where's the middle ground between the company doesn't have to pay anything and the customer gets everything for free? How do we find the middle of that? So, so that middle ground is something that I would approach with saying, you know, you know, Hey Bob, I know we were out here and we had a couple issues. 
you know, if we had the chance to correct them, I'd love to do that for you. That'd make me feel great. That'd make me sleep at night. Uh, you know, where are you at in that process and what, what would make you happy? Because, you know, clearly we want to keep you as a customer. We value, we value you. We value great customers like yourself. And uh, if we take this equipment out, you're gone. We don't want that. Can you give us the opportunity to make this right? A lot of times people just, people just want to be heard. So if we can talk to people and say, hey, what are you looking for? Yeah, and then can, back can to we resolve this? Or, 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 and a lot of times if people are actually that pissed off at us, they just don't call us back. Right. We that, never know. And that, that's, a, that's a scary principle in business. It's not the people that, that you lose that you know you lose. It's the people that you lose every year that you don't know about. You can't even track that to see what's going on with that. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the silent attrition. That is the scariest thing of business because you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Especially in the home services industry. I mean, the, the life cycle of uh, HVAC tends to be about one a year, maybe two a year. Plumbing's about one, 1. 1.5 a year, maybe two a year. Uh, Sparky electrical is one in like every seven years uh, for a client interaction. And so we can go six years without knowing whether we actually lost a client or they just haven't had need for us. And that, that's a very difficult place to operate from a business because we're living in a huge cycle of just not knowing whether this person is actually a customer that hasn't needed us or they've, they've long gone because of something that we did five years ago. As a throwback to Tracy's episode here, this, this is why your club maintenance plans are so important. Absolutely. Gives you the ability to reach out and touch the every seven year clients once a year um, and show them show them things that they would like to use to upgrade their system potentially or show them problems they don't even know they have. But definitely a way to know that you still have a client is to have them on a plan that they pay, they pay monthly for. And we're, we're pretty fortunate, too, with our customers. I, I think we have great customers out there. Um, I look at myself, and, and I am probably the worst customer on the face of the earth. I have no tolerance for when things go wrong. And I know better. <laughs> I can see that, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> All of our techs feel the same way about you. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> I got a text from Ted yesterday. It was just a thumbs up about something. Another, We were in a group together, but I just saw his name come up on my text. And I'm like, Ugh. I'm waiting for a picture of something one of the plumbers did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the archives are deep, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all positive. <laughs> I don't remember ever seeing a positive one. <laughs> Come on. Look at how well that water heater was installed. <laughs> you learn from your haters, right? This is true. This is true. <laughs> Way to exhibit that, Ted. Very nice. Well done. I like that. All right, Ted. So uh, for our, our field people who are listening to this, um, what what is some advice that you can give to them? I mean, is there is there a uh, a formula? Is there a standard operating procedure? Is there a best practices here for anybody who's on a day to day basis seeing clients and you know more times than not comes across one throughout the day that just isn't on the same happy page as they are? You know, not to sound cliche at all, but. If we really follow through with our core values, you know, that is some of the best advice I could give because we need to be empathetic. You know, everyone's situation is different. And if we can walk through the situation with them the way maybe they're seeing things, uh, you know, it's going to help out. Sincerity, that's not one of our core values, but 
I mean, sincerity is is one of the best things uh, because, you know, we need to show that we actually care. We can't just say, yeah, yeah, Bob, uh, your, your, your contact is a bad man. It's 226. Do you want air conditioning or not? <laughs> you know, we need to be like, ah, you know, we got this relay, Bob, that's not working so good right now. And, and for a small investment here, Bob, I can take care of you. I'd love to take care of you. You know, you'll have no problems with this next multiple years, you know. Right. And we had um, Dave Landis sitting in, in the spot you're sitting in right now yesterday. Okay. We were just, just talking, uh, electrician and uh, Jamie and Dave and myself. And he was just laughing about the company he came from where their quote-unquote close would be, it's this much for a new contactor. Do it or not, hey, I got I got air conditioning at my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just reminiscing on how horrible the, the communication was back in the day. <laughs> uh, that's certainly one way to do it. Yeah, and uh, we mentioned before integrity. Uh, if you're if you're going to say something, you, know, you better do it. Uh, I think that more than just you know this podcast and mechanical trades that we're in, but uh, you know if you're going to say it, do it. And 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 people want instant solutions. You know, so if you can't give them an instant solution, like you can't say, "Hey, uh, yeah, I need to look into this, and uh, I'll get back to you at some point in time." it's not so good. So you want to set up some clear defined next steps, you know, saying, Hey Bob, I know, I know you have a bad contactor. It's 12 years old. Maybe we should look at a replacement and I know you're not ready for that right now, but how about I call you back in three days, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday at five o'clock. Would that be all right with you? Can we chat then? Maybe, uh, maybe you forgot or you're getting busy and I get that you're a busy guy, but uh, you know, I'll certainly get back to you and, and we'll, we'll move forward like that. Yeah. So Ted, why should, why is it important for field staff to get better at having difficult conversations? Well, I know we talk a lot about, uh, you, know, you know, the uh, one thing we said, I think this week or last week, I think Matt Buckwalter said was if, uh, you know, we're not growing, we're dying. Right. So it, I don't think anyone's ever going to be at the top of their game with, with uh, tough conversations because every one of them is different to a certain degree. But if you keep your level-headedness about you and then and, and you just do your due diligence and you're able to have a good conversation and have your bonding and rapport, you'll be able to, to go through these things with, with, uh, you know, your in, intuitive, uh, intuitiveness and, and adjust and, and make them happen. But yeah, no one looks forward to them. I mean, sure. I, I kind of do to a degree only because it's out of the ordinary. You know, I'm not getting them every day. I know our field guys are probably seeing them every day to a certain degree, but you know, they're, Customers are calling us out there because they want us to look over everything. They want our expertise. And if we're not finding problems, I mean, let's face it, we're in a mechanical world. Right. Breakdown. There's, you know, companies are making parts cheaper and cheaper to keep prices at bay. That just means to more, more occurring failures, recurring failures. And it's our job to, to do our due diligence and actually look deep and, and find the problems. Because there's, there's always problems. I mean, we have those one, two, three-year-old systems that are going to be fine. You start getting to, you know, four and five years on a well pump or four and fives on a water heater. There's maintenance. There, there's things we got to do. So another good point, Nate, that we can use to, to help deal with these cu- tough customers is uh, something called the three Fs. We have feel, felt, and found. And what that is is a way of just comforting the customer and, and saying, hey, Mr. Jones, I know how you feel. Others have felt that exact same way in the past, but what they have found is, after giving us the opportunity to help out in this situation, we get good results. So 
you know, the, the feel part is, hey, that's, that's the uh, recognition saying, hey, I understand. I know where you're coming from. The felt is the, uh, the social acceptance saying, hey, other customers have felt that same way in the past. And the found is, hey, we have a resolution that we can offer as well. Wow, that's really good. So what were those three Fs again? So yeah, good, good point. It's uh, feel, felt, and found, the three Fs. And do you find that you use them like in one seamless sentence, sort of like you did right there, or do they kind of play out across the course of a conversation? Well, ideally, you want to kind of get it out there in one seamless sentence, but it, it's got to sound real. Uh, you know, fake, you can make it sound really fake and that'd be horrible. And you can't use it more than just once. That's that's a once and done type of deal. So don't say that thing multiple times. So when does that come up? Generally at the time of resolution? I guess depending on the situation, that would be a good time. Or it could be a good segue to break the ice. Yeah, really good stuff. Anything else you'd care to share? So now, as I look back on my career, um, at the time I had no idea. But a lot of the tough situations that I had to deal with in the past were very beneficial to me. In what way? Well, I can give a couple examples if you wanted to hear them, but there were times where I felt I needed to step up to the plate just to just to restore the customer's, you know, boiler or whatever it may be, the job. And I went above and beyond what they expected, but it wasn't what I expected. I wanted to do the best I could for them. And just coincidentally, at the time I was doing my job, but doing my job led to advancements in my career. Yeah, let's let's hear it. I'd, I'd be more than inter- more than interested in knowing that. So one big one, we we did a job, a big custom home for um, I'll say the name Weaver Remodelers, a place out in East Earl, good company, and um, it was out in Gladwin. Uh, a doctor, I'll never forget his name, Lawrence Levitt, real great guy. Uh, the job didn't go so well for us at the company at that point in time, and uh, it was December right before Christmas, and uh, we need to get back there to to fix the problems and my schedule was booked. My guys were booked and uh, I took it upon myself to do my calls during the day and then go back at night. And we did three nights there to actually fix the problem up. So we, we kind of got it going kind of quasi. So they had Heath about the night and then they were school in a day and he worked during the day. So then at night we had a good opportunity to fix the problem, but it took us more than just, you know, two nights. But by doing that, you know, this guy appreciated it so much. You know, he called back and talked to my boss and said, hey, this guy did this. He brought people down. They got us going. It's working now better than ever. Uh, shortly after that, I was I was made the HVAC manager at the company. And do you think the two were related? Um, they were definitely related, but I did not see that at the time. I, I was just doing my job. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think it's not – it's usually not one action – that causes promotion or, or causes advancement in career. It's usually the repetitive action. And it sounds to me, Ted, like, you know, a situation like that, because you were just looking at it as like, Hey, I'm just doing my job. That's, that's really what management is. It's people who just say like, Hey, you know, this is just, this is just what needs done. And then they go do it. And I mean, you were already living that out. This was just the final straw on the stack, I guess. That, that could have been, but uh, that's how I always look at things. I'm just, I just do my job and, and uh, you know, try to do it the best you can. Yeah, do you have any other examples of like difficult conversations and, and how they played out in real life? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you start? You know, I, I'd be lying if I said no, but yeah, I, I've had many difficult situations. Um, and uh, really 
Uh, most of them, I would say, they, they, they started off, you know, hey, th this is wrong. You guys are wrong. This, this can't be right. I just don't understand this. But I would say 80% of them, you know, ended up with, with me taking that customer through the house after I did my diagnosing and, and saw the whole picture and then walking them through everything and then showing them, you know, say, hey, th this is what we got over here. This is over here. These just aren't adding up. And uh, the, the best way to do that is to dumb it down. We don't have to say technical things saying, oh, oh, the amp draw on this wall pump is six amps and it should be three. You know, I like saying, hey, we're just, we're, we're taking too much power here. This is hitting you right in the pocketbook here. It's just, it's just too much. Uh, I, I knew a lot with gas lines, people would say, oh, we got these, uh, this black counter-strike gas piping that's bonded and prevent against lightning strikes. And they're like, you talking about it now i just say hey we have this flexible black you know line that moves gas and there's better stuff now yeah uh, so you need to make things relatable to the customer and then they feel that you're not talking down to them but they feel like you're talking with them and then results they just happen yeah absolutely we covered some of that with our uh, cutting the confusion out of communication podcast we did with mike a little bit ago uh, on on the importance of how to say things and what terms to use. Right. Cause that's as technicians, we want to be very technical, you know, very data driven. And it, I think it makes us feel better, but that doesn't fix the problem we have with the customer. It can, but if, if we dump it down, make it, you know, down to their level, which not that their level is bad, but it's just not technical or dumb. <laughs> <laughs> hey Ted, we're going to bring it in for a landing here. Uh, one last thing I wanted to push out for you here is earlier you had talked about core values and you mentioned one of the ones that we have here, which is empathy. Explain how that plays out into all difficult interactions with a client or, or frankly with anybody. I'm not sure that it matters at that point. It's just difficult conversations. Yeah. You know, and, and my thing with empathy is we have no idea where people are in life. You know, we, we could look across the, this whole company and see every one of us is at a different point in life and have different things going on in our lives. But if we could dig into that a little bit with that person. So let's say we're in front of a tough customer and they're, they're going through, you know, uh, uh, their, their spouse in the hospital or something like that. You know, we want to know about that. We want to be sensitive to that. We want to say, hey, yeah, I, I know Bob's in the hospital today, and, and that's horrible. So if you're not ready to make a decision today, that's fine. If you want to wait till Bob gets out of the hospital, I will come back any day, Saturday or Sunday. We'll talk through that. You know, we want to make sure we're doing the best thing we can for you. And, I, you know, if I was you, I wouldn't want to make a decision right now because I'm not in the right frame of mind. Yeah. I mean, it, People, it's funny how people, you don't, you don't know what people are going through. And, and it's easy to assume that, oh, yeah, life, if your life is good, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, Steve's life is good. You know, Aaron's life, everyone's life is good, right? Brian's, you know, making all this money in Bitcoin right now. His life is great. He's got no problems, man. <laughs> he can dream. afford anything, you know. Not, not as this podcast <laughs> records, my friend. <laughs> We're going the wrong way. <laughs> so, so by taking the time to step back, talk to that customer and see, you know, actually, Talk to them. Have have a human human conversation, not technician to customer conversation. You'll learn a lot, and that'll that, for me that puts me in the position that I can actually talk to them and and change on the fly what we want to do. Like yeah. what makes sense? Because we can't always say, yeah, your compressor's out. You got to replace it tomorrow. You're not going to have heat. That's uh, that's so true. It's it's hard. It's hard. But that's what we want to do. We, we you know, we're looking at four calls a day, three calls a day. We want to get through these things. We want to fix the problem, get out of there, move on. Life is good. But that's not the case in reality. We, we need to slow it down and, and, and relate to the customer. 
and, and put things in a way that the customer can say, all right, you know, th- this guy does care about me. Maybe they're not the cheapest company out there, but they care about me. That's priceless. Our reviews, um, our Google reviews are just littered with one sentence. They are uh, expensive or they're not cheap or they're not the cheapest company around or just something like that. And then, however, they are worth it because dot, dot, dot. And a lot of it is um, how they relate to our technicians on a friend level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that personal interaction it's it's craved in today's society, um, but it has to be it has to be coupled with that empathy because if it's if it's anything less than that if it's fake if it's um, you know insincere, then it actually works pretty much the other direction. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, and it's it's tough to balance that, but um, in difficult conversations or difficult people in general, that empathy piece is that's when it's the most important. And we do say, um, I mean, jokingly somewhat, but it is reality that customers aren't always right. But they always, they're always right to themselves. And they're the ones paying us. We're not paying them to be there. So um, empathy will help us see why this person feels they are right, even when they're dead wrong, especially when it's a technical thing. They think it's one thing, and we know from experience that it's another we have to be empathetic and just at least see where they're coming from in saying what they're saying. Without that piece, you're going to lose. You're going to lose a lot of people. And I can say over the years, I've had, I don't know, conversations all over the map, all different levels. But the one thing I refuse to do is I've never ever argued with a customer. Mm. That, that just goes nowhere, and, and I think that goes back to my personality, first of all. But you know, Mark Twain has a quote that says, never argue with stupid people. (laughs) They will only drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. (laughs) (laughs) What a great comeback. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Let me me jot that down. (laughs) Hey, what a a great podcast today, Ted. um, Appreciate you being on. You shared a lot of great advice. And like it or not, this is something that we all will face and we all need to get better at. And so... For those of you listening who come across difficult people every once in a while, um, really good stuff to take away from today's podcast and apply that not only in how we approach the client and our attitude and our preparation, but also in how to become more dynamic, how to walk them through everything that is going wrong and then you know deliver that news in a way that they can understand and at least try to get on the same page. So thanks so much for being with us today, Ted. I'm glad to have been here. It's been, it's been fun, like always. Awesome. Well, we can't let you go. we got a couple more questions for you. Uh, I know we did some fun ones last time, but a uh, new set of five for you. Let me get my notes for the questions. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, B. <laughs> yeah. What do you got? Uh, hey, I know you're a boater, uh, so tell us the name of your boat and why. <laughs> so I have two names that are unofficial. The, the, the first one I probably shouldn't say in this podcast. Is that allowed? Two names? Well, it's it's not actually labeled yet. There's no actual printed name on the back of the boat. But the, the, probably the more fitting name is is the medium pace. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, gotcha. And if anyone knows what the medium pace is, you're probably laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gotcha. Uh, a story behind that, perhaps? Uh, <laughs> Does it relate to the pilot? 
<laughs> the pilot, the captain, the captain, uh, pilot of the boat, whatever, the guy with whatever, the, 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 with the wheel in the hand. Yeah. No, no, it's it's no. There, there's it's just funny actually. If, if you know about the medium pace, uh, it's just funny. That's all it is. It's just humor. All right. Speaking of humor, uh, if aliens landed today and offered to take you home with them, you checking out? Wow, that's that's a good one because. <laughs> No, you know, I wouldn't. I, I don't care what's going on out there. Yeah. They I wouldn't ask it. you anyway. So, like, is this all that Earth has to offer? This is Earth. <laughs> We're going to Venus. <laughs> all right. Have you ever been mistaken for someone famous? <laughs> I have. Uh, not saying, hey, you're this person, but I get a lot of you look like, uh, what's that one race car guy? Uh, Jeff Gordon. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I can't. About him. He must be a good-looking guy, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, design your own candy bar. Oh man, I. Uh, it would be. Uh, uh, I don't really eat candy anymore, but uh, it would. It would be probably the most boring candy bar in the face of the earth, honestly, because <laughs> I, I, I'm off sugar, and uh, that's what chocolate is essentially. But yeah. uh, oh man, I, uh, I wouldn't do it. I. I it would just be called the, called the Ted, and it's just a wrapper. There's nothing in it. <laughs> it's, I'd make so much money if people actually bought that. <laughs> Ted, the biggest disappointment out there. <laughs> Consume at a medium pace. <laughs> All right, uh, last one for you. Uh, did you have a least favorite food as a child? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't stand eating most vegetables, but mainly mainly broccoli. All right, how do you feel about it now? I don't know. I haven't tried it in 35 years. <laughs> My man. <laughs> Ted's sticking to his guns over here. <laughs> Is broccoli banned from the Schnettler household? No, my, my kids and wife love it, so we make it. I just, I look at it going, it's like the worst stuff ever. Why would you want to eat this? Yeah. I'm, I'm I smell it. it. I want to try it again, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding my ground with that one. <laughs> No, smelling it will not make you. Yeah, it's, dude. I walk into the house and and Amelia's uh, steaming a pot of broccoli. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. What, what did the dog do in here? Right. It's like you're eating a little like forest or something. <laughs> I don't get it. Terrible smelling forest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Good stuff again today, Ted. Thanks again. Uh, that wraps it up for this podcast. Uh, as we mentioned every week, this is an encouragement to you to get better, to take the next level, to take the next step, improve yourself. Uh, Learning how to have difficult conversations with people in general, uh, specifically customers, will only advance your career faster and you will become better at it over time. So uh, listen to this one again and again. A lot of good advice on here uh, that you can apply to your life right away. Uh, as for the rest of you, let us know in the comments what you thought of this podcast or any of the others. We'd love to hear that. Uh, hit us up on wastenoday.com. Find us on Facebook and just shout, shout out to us. Uh, we shout out to you as the service professionals and uh, we encourage you to keep getting better and uh, really to make the most of it. There is another you. There is a better you, and you can chase it down. You have the opportunity to wake up every morning and choose to waste no day.
This podcast is a production of the South Central Pennsylvania branch of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric.